Welcome back to today's episode where I interview Matt Dickens. Now, Matt's been working with international athletes for over 10 years. And during this episode, we discuss a wide variety of topics from how caffeine affects your body through to how Wim Hof breathing can help you in your day-to-day life and all the way through to one-minute meditations to have more gratitude in your day-to-day existence. So don't forget that if you want to access my full back catalogue of episodes, all you have to do is search for The Gary Gunn Show on the iTunes store or any podcast player. And I hope you enjoy today's episode. Uh, So first of all, welcome to the show, Matt. (laughs) Thanks, Gary. Yeah, so it's a pleasure to have you here today. So I think a great place to start is, could you just explain what MotoGP is? Sure. Um, The easiest way to explain MotoGP is basically like Formula One, but on motorcycles. So it's uh, road racing on a motorcycle. They're prototype motorcycles, so you can't get these bikes on the road. They're the most powerful, fastest motorcycles in the world. It's an exhilarating, extremely loud experience. The bike weighs 160 kilos, travels top speed of 350 kilometers per hour down the straight, then will break within a fraction of a second down to about 60, hit a lean angle of 60 degrees, pick it straight back up to around 200k before they flip it across to the other side and, and turn the next corner. So it's quite a, yeah, exhilarating, high adrenaline sport. And how, how long would each race typically last? So races around 40 minutes around 40 minutes so from from a fitness perspective you're you're training these guys to be able to handle that kind of adrenaline based situation for a 40 minute period in ultra competitive circumstances as well yeah absolutely mm. and um i mean like the mental capacity is huge as well because if they make a mistake they're off and they and they crash into a wall at god knows what speed so there's there's a there's a big assistance that you give people not only for the physical fitness but the mental well-being as well yeah i guess my expertise now um has evolved from a strength and conditioning background to an incomplete performance coach so i personally now look at not just the strength and conditioning element but the recovery i do the massage for my athlete um we look at nutrition we look at the environment basically anything to help him be a better athlete, make any gains possible that transfer to better performance in a race. So I think we should break each of these down because uh, they're, all, they're all interesting topics. Now, I mean, obviously we're breaking this down. So these are a specific type of training to be able to manage the, the mental aspect of it and also the physical aspect. And imagine you've got G-force, is it not G-force levels against you? Yeah, so you, you're, you're going super fast. So I guess we can start with what kind of training would an athlete need to do to be able to handle that? Sure. So if we think every bike is different, some are easier to ride and some are harder to ride. And every athlete's different, so they have their own style. And with every every sport and with every athlete that you work with, I think it's, it's always going to be largely about the individual. Because there's so many ways to improve physical fitness, right? There's so many ways to improve physical strength. Generally, the one, the ways that anyone's going to make the best gains at is the one they're going to put the most intensity and effort into, which is largely going to be the one they like the most. Okay. Yeah. So you have to feed off the athlete. What, and especially at this level, 
where I mean these are on the highest stage in the world. Like the, okay. Bradley is one of the top 10, 15 motor, motorcycle racers in the world. So he's got a lot more knowledge of like what he needs probably than I do. You know, I might be, I might have worked in professional sports for the last 10 years, but I haven't ridden a motorcycle um, at that level. And I certainly haven't ridden it that fast. So whilst it's an extremely demanding sport um, and there's physical characteristics that we can look at to identify what he needs, such as the G-force that he's under when braking. So he needs a lot of strength through the shoulders, chest, triceps, a lot of grip strength to be able to hang off the bike, a lot of general mobility and, and agility to be able to move from one side of the bike to the other. He's also in the red for a solid 40 minutes. Yeah. So his heart rate is near maximal, 175 to 180 plus for a solid 40 minutes. Um, and so that's a combination of energy systems, right? If you're working for 40 minutes, most people say, that you're, you know, you're in your aerobic zone. Well, it's a very tough aerobic zone if you're working at 180 plus beats per minute. You also, when you're under that much braking force and acceleration, there's definitely combinations of anaerobic strength and, and producing large amounts of force in that time. So you're looking at a complete energy system development for 40 minutes with also the ability to he rides twice a day across across a three-day weekend so he's got to recover between those sessions and then he's going to recover from day to day and that goes friday saturday so free practice one and two on friday free practice three four and then qualifying on saturday and then you know that fatigue accumulates across the weekend but he's got to race and perform his best on the wow. last day on the Sunday. Yeah. So recovery is a huge element of that as well. Yeah. So what could you talk about the recovery aspect of that? Because I think it's people often overtrain. So the recovery aspect is super interesting. Oh, recovery is massive, right? Um, so a really common phrase that's often said within the strength and conditioning world is there's no such thing as overtraining, just under recovering, right? And that recovery can be broken down into several aspects one it's largely genetic but it's certainly down to the individual right okay. you can take two people off the street and they're going to have different tolerances to training and it doesn't matter who they are one could be an athlete who trains twice a day five days a week one could be say average joe who's going to train three times a week well if he tries to train twice a day five times a week he's he's going to be in a constant state of fatigue like yeah, his yeah. performance is going to be awful whereas if the athlete trains three times a week it probably won't be enough so re recovery is largely individual and you can develop that certainly like the more you train the, the you build that tolerance providing you're not overtraining. Right? okay so one massive way to improve your recovery between bouts of exercise and especially between days of training is to have a bigger aerobic base so the the bigger your aerobic foundation the more efficient your aerobic pathways the better you get blood to the muscles um, especially remove waste products away from the muscles you're going to recover a lot quicker could you just um, tell me what, what aerobic training is for anyone that's not not sure aerobic training uh, I guess typically would be referred to as cardiovascular training, okay. or cardio. 
Um, but that comes in several stages. You know, it's not necessarily just, or we call it several, there's four or five in some models, seven zones of cardiovascular training, effectively how efficiently your body uses fat to produce energy and how efficiently your body takes oxygen from your lungs, gets it to your heart and pumps that blood around the whole of your body. So that can be anywhere from walking at a really low intensity um, to perhaps even walking up a hill and walking up a lot of stairs, maybe at a level two. Um, certainly your, your long, slow duration would be low intensity, um, steady state training or lists they, they refer it to. So that'd be like your long runs. Okay. Um, and again, long is a specific word, right? Okay. Or yeah, a dependent yeah. word. So long for some people might be 5K, but long for other people might be an ultra marathon. Yeah, okay. So yeah, it's all yeah. dependent. It's how long you can perform at a moderate heart rate of probably around 120 to 130, 40 beats per minute. So you can get a heart rate monitor to, to track that as well? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. You, would you re you'd recommend... I'd recommend the Polar H10. Polar H10, okay. Yeah, and that's a, a good way of tracking. Okay. Yeah, brilliant way of tracking heart rate. It's a brilliant way of tracking heart rate variability if that's an area that you want to look at, looking at fatigue in the future. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I do a lot of heart rate monitor, heart rate based training perhaps isn't the most accurate way of training. Okay. Because everyone's heart rate's individual, yeah. right? And there's there's zones, but then those zones sh should be individualized. But certainly there are key markers that you can take from heart rate. And it's the easiest way to base training for a large variety of people who don't have access to things like lactate testing or VO2 max testing. So it's the easiest way to prescribe a general like broad perspective of training to a large amount of people yeah. so so it allows you to kind of move from being in the dark to knowing a little bit more about your training and, and training within a bit of a bit of parameters yeah absolutely and there's acceptance to rules but effectively the lower your resting heart rate generally the more efficiently your heart's pumping blood around your body so you sh the fitter you should be so what kind of parameters can you give on that so is there a general resting heart rate around 80 beats per minute is that is that general or is it i'd i'd want it to be nearer 60 six so 60 is fit you're super fit at 60 or how does that 60 work? you're pretty fit so so a resting heart rate which is what when you're sat down doing absolutely nothing and sat, chilled and relaxed sat down or laid down okay laid down preferably uh well no you can be sat down and chilled, relaxed, sat down, not immediately, but for a few minutes. Um, yeah, with no anxiety, obviously stress of all forms and adrenaline can raise your heart rate. It's another factor to consider when performing on a MotoGP bike, obviously. Um, but yeah, a resting heart rate, sat down, chilled of about 60 beats per minute, you'd be relatively fit. Okay. And what would be, do you know, what would be a, an unhealthy, like general rule with that or is you're not really because it's individual i guess it's it's difficult yeah i mean once you go if you sat down chilled and your heart's beating at perhaps 80 90 100 beats per minute then for me that's a warning sign that okay. at least it's a, an area to work on you yeah. shouldn't be putting your heart under that much strain so if you're listening to this and your your heart rate is 80 plus 
perhaps as an indicator that you you could potentially do with more cardiovascular training, such as longer runs to just reduce the the heart rate. Okay, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Just to jump back to where I was before, yeah, yeah. on zones of training. So you've got your low intensity, steady state zone, like two. Um, probably even lower than that you've got your walk in up that you've got your tempo type training where you can perform at around 140 150 beats per minute and you can't perform at that uh, at that intensity for a long amount of time but certainly a sustained amount of time so maybe 5 10 15 minutes okay um, and you can do that in in intervals so I'd say that's moderate to high intensity. Okay. And then you've obviously got your high intensity work where you're really stressing how much blood your heart can pump at any one time. And that's what's high intensity training and typically prescribed in intervals. So within the gym world and fitness world, people would refer to that as high intensity interval training. Mm. And can you can you overdo high intensity? I mean, if you're doing it without under the guidance of anyone else, can you overtrain and, and damage your heart? Because I think some people are a bit anxious about pushing themselves that hard, or is that just not the case? Oh, absolutely, that's the case. Okay, <laughs> so you can overdo it. Yeah, right, okay. anyone can overdo it. So, you know? so how would you know, like, if if you're if you're trying to increase your intensity, then I'm I'm guessing you would advise do it incrementally. So just start training a bit faster, rather than say resting for a minute, rest for thirty seconds, and just incrementally up it to. Yeah, I think the. The biggest piece of advice you can say is we can't go balls to the wall all the time, right? So you can do a high intensity session. You can push yourself on a Monday or Tuesday, whenever, whenever you want, you can push and go all out by all means, like lift your max, lift the, your max weights for as many reps as possible and, and go all out and, and do like 30 seconds on 10 seconds off on a variety of exercise for half an hour and you'll be beasted and, and wiped out on the floor. The problem then comes is that obviously um, results in a significant amount of fatigue, mm. neurological fatigue, muscular fatigue, adrenal fatigue. To go and then try and do that on a Tuesday, you might not perform so good. To do that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you're going to cause yourself an issue. Mm. So it's not necessarily within the one session by all means that's all going to depend on the individual, on the individual. Like you can push yourself as hard as you're physically capable of. And then next time you'll yeah. probably be able to go f- so you, you, harder. Yeah. So you very much look at the, the long-term aspects of your training. So it's not so much about what you're going to train at today. It's like, look, if you're going to train healthily for a year, you need to take into account that you don't want to overdo it and potentially cause risk of injury and, and overdoing um, and feeling fatigued. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. The, I mean, in, in my world working with athletes, we, train specific adaptations okay we train specifically to generate more force through through the shoulders or we generate the ability to produce a certain amount of force for a certain amount of time and then recover within a certain amount of time before they can do it again does that make sense yeah yeah so you've got a specific time frame where you're looking at training rest training right or performing rest performing rest yeah yeah but then the best advice you can give to the general public who aren't training towards a specific sport necessarily or you know just training for life and and even this goes to athletes because athletes need to recover they need Mm. to be multi-dimensional right the the biggest problem in a lot of sports is they have 
overuse injuries because they don't have enough variation you know so we need you need to train unspecifically or generally you need to train generally to be able to tolerate a large amount of specific work mm. in in professional sport but for the general public you should generally be doing a bit of everything a little bit of cardiovascular training a little bit of strength training because it all has its benefits most importantly base it all around moving great because most people move like crap that's not an insult to people it's like generally as humans there's seven and a half billion people in the world and most of them move like crap so what kind of training um, allows you to have better posture better posture or yeah so like all mobility so that i'm assuming they're linked so like if you're moving better your posture is probably going to be better as well or okay so if we think of our posture as not just our upper back and our shoulders right our posture is how we hold our whole body um, and that can start from the ground up from our feet to a, and our feet and ankles is massively related to our hips which is massively related to how we hold our whole whole body right um but it all it all comes as a result of daily habits and lifestyle so to say how can people like have a better posture ultimately is change your habits and change your lifestyle change how you, you hold yourself repetitively Op okay open up your shoulders stand taller be more be prouder and that but providing that becomes a consistent daily habit a consistent part of your lifestyle it will improve are there not um, specific muscles that you can train to have a better posture because obviously I think trying to remind yourself of getting into the habit of putting your shoulders back and things like that, unless you've got a trigger that's going to allow you to remember to do that, it's quite difficult for a lot of people. I guess when you work by a computer, that's obviously going to create problems, even if you're doing it very well, learn to take breaks and things like that. But is there any, is there any general rule on posture, on, on training, such as um, training your specific back muscles to open up your shoulders, or is, is it really not, not that specific? Well, the answer to a lot of questions is it depends. Yeah. Right? So if you consider posture and mobility is interlinked and the main answer to improving mobility is through strength training, but you need to take a short-term fix and then create stability and strength in those new ranges of motion. Similarly, it applies to your posture. Yes, you can open up. Yes, you can mobilize your thoracic spine that's massively important because we sit in these um, air, these positions of like fixed thoracic flexion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We sit in these positions of hip flexion where our psoas becomes really short and our hamstrings become short. But generally what will make the biggest difference is if people sit less and move more. Okay. Oh, right. So it's if literally... people think yeah. about... Don't think about activating muscles, but think about standing tall and proud. Okay. So it's a, it's a good problem. So what you're saying is it's not not necessarily about um, working specific muscles. It's about being more mobile in your life. So perhaps rather than taking a bus 20 minutes, walk 20 minutes because you're going to add to the mobility of, of what you're doing. And if you can feel proud when you're doing it, that's just going to relax you off and make you feel like just add, add more mobility to you. Is yeah, that, absolutely. If yeah. you see, I've done a lot of research and taken a huge interest through my coaching into communication and skill acquisition. So that's how we learn things, especially like motor patterns and movement. 
and it doesn't it's not really effective to think of an internal cue so to think of a muscle think of a a part of your body to think of it like move your shoulder pull your shoulders back or stick your chest out because you once you internalize that thought and that process you you overcompensate and the rest of the movement breaks down okay so you place too much attention and focus to sticking your chest out and you end up arching your back or collapsing your knees what's a lot more effective are external cues and there there's a great amount of research in this area external cues both improve performance measures so rather than saying squeeze your glutes or extend your hip if you say push the ground away or kick the floor away you'll actually produce more force Mm. and secondly external cues are much more effective at learning new skills so when it comes to like say jumping well um, that's a performance measure sorry like yeah, if you yeah. say ju- touch a ceiling people jump higher but if you can pre- create an analogy or use an external cue such as push the ground down so when i teach squatting firstly i create an environment where learning is implicit i don't give any cues i say do this exercise and generally people squat really well because found a way of coaching that you you don't need to verbalize it like and then they figure out for themselves that's far more effective and then secondly if you can provide an external cue such as um push the wall away or push push the floor or push the earth down people move better and they learn new skills quicker Mm. that's interesting have you have you managed to utilize that in any other areas of your life outside of training using external cues yeah i've never even i've never i mean i've never heard them vocalize them in that way it's it's an interesting idea and i can i can see how it would work well if you think of psychology of humans right external cues is a small snippet of of an analogy or an or a story and humans love stories we it creates part of our belief systems so if you were to extrapolate that a little bit and excuse my tedious link then yeah absolutely we people relate to stories people buy into stories it's how we form tribes it's how we create connectedness with people those stories give us a sense of belonging it becomes part of our belief system um so yeah massively like that that applies across Mm. the board Mm. so you don't i mean what i'm getting is that you don't limit what you've learned just to with the people that you're working but you try and implement it across all areas of your life oh yeah absolutely i mean with um, with my company, performance coaching is far more than just strength and conditioning. It's far more than just physical fitness. There's a mental cloud. There's a mental aspect. There's a nutrition aspect. There's a just a lifestyle aspect. Yeah. Can we can we delve into the nutrition aspect? So, Absolutely. So I guess uh, it might be interesting for you to offer a contrast on how your diet used to be compared to what it is now and why you changed and, and the differences that you found with it. I mean, I guess you can talk from your own personal experience with this one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've always considered myself fit and healthy. You know, I believe in practicing what you preach and leading by example. And typically before I was the strength and conditioning coach who told my athletes, you need to eat more meat, you need more protein to build more muscle. And 
now I've completely a couple of years ago switched gone flip reverse on that some of my old athletes are quite surprised in that I now follow a plant-based diet what was the trigger for you to change or to, to be open to change so to be open to change I watched the documentary called Cowspiracy okay yeah, um, I've seen it two yeah. or three years ago which opened my eyes to the impact of cattle farming in particular production of beef on the environment how significantly negative that influence is and I suddenly thought, well, I kind of care about the environment. I kind of want this planet to survive. I kind of want, if I have kids one day, them to have a pleasant environment to grow up in. And I feel it's part of my responsibility as being a good human to do my part in in looking after this planet. So I cut down beef. I was like, right, I'm going to eat beef once or twice a year. That's it. Uh, and I cut down and then I realized actually I should probably cut down all the meat that I eat because it's not just beef might be the, the yeah, biggest yeah. negative influence. It's still the same. Yeah. But primarily at the beginning was an environmental thing. It okay. Triggered me. Um, so I cut down to chicken and fish a few times a week. And then once you start taking an interest in something, uh, we can go into the paradigms of social media and, mm. and algorithms and all sorts. And it, basically funnels you because it shows you more of what you're already interested in right it's how it ex creates extremists mm. but um a lot of people would refer to me as an extremist <laughs> <laughs> but um but it certainly found myself open to watching a lot of videos regarding animal agriculture which in all honesty i think is evil um, on a lot of regards, um, there's, you know, like, and eventually, and it wasn't immediate, it was a gradual transition. Um, eventually, I suddenly realized that if I had an, a pig or a sheep in front of me now, like it was next to my own dog, I wouldn't want it to die. Mm. Right? So as much as I've completely, honestly, I've been fishing, I've shot rabbits and I've killed chickens. Like I've killed animals in the past and not thought anything of it at that time. And we all evolve as humans. Our perspective change, our belief systems change. And rather than, you know, and I think not many people, and this is a lot of the problem that a lot of people have is they don't connect it with actually there being an animal and then it, it killing it. I don't think many people could kill those animals if they were given a knife and told they had to. I think if I needed to, I could. It wasn't, it's not about that. It's about the fact that I wouldn't want to. Mm. I would want that animal to live. I would create a connection with yeah. those animals. So you, 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 you feel like because nowadays you can buy meat without having to, to physically kill it and, and, to, and to obviously prepare the meat that there's a disconnect there and people don't think about it. And when you actually thought about if this was in front of me, it gave you a different aspect or different way of looking at the situation. Absolutely. People, are, I mean, we're so disconnected from a vast, vast amount of subjects. We're so disconnected from death in general, let alone the killing of animals. But they did a study last year and over 50% of people when asked the question, would you rather eat a, a vegetable meal or kill the animal yourself? Over 50% of them mm. said they'd rather eat the vegetables. Yeah. Yet most people still eat a meat-based diet 
without thinking about they're actually they're contributing to not just the death but the abuse and and significantly like poor environment that or poor well-being of those animals mm. um so anyway long story short i decided i didn't want to contribute to that anymore yeah yeah um i thought if i paid for it and didn't want the animal to die then i'd be a hypocrite and i stopped um i think within a week i was for a week i was pescatarian and then i was full-on plant-based diet um for ethical reasons do you know what i totally didn't expect the health benefits mm. so yeah what happened with, with with your energy levels and your general well-being yeah generally i just had more energy than i'd ever had in my life really and this was at 30 years old you know were you about your sleep was that affected in a good way or were you similar well firstly the biggest thing i noticed about my general well-being is i used to have a lot of tension around my neck and my shoulders and that like that disappeared my energy levels throughout i've always been a good sleeper so mm. sleep in particular for me <laughs> yeah yeah i sleep eight nine hours okay. like a log nothing wakes me up and yeah. i feel amazing um but certainly with my energy levels throughout the day i was bouncing off the walls like i used to train two three times a day when i was like 21 22 years old and i was back to that uh, wow. like 30 31 years old and how long did it take you for, to notice the difference was it within a week or two was it that quick yeah, with I'd say within a week or two. Wow. Certainly for that first month I was I was really shocked at yeah. how much energy I had. And you and you've maintained a plant based diet since then? Yeah, yeah. Oh, for wow. um just around two years now, I think. And during that time, have you 'cause you're quite a big guy, have you um have you put on more muscle in that period or have you just maintained the physique that you have? No, so initially initially I lost a bit of muscle mass because and and largely you have to understand that I come from a background of lifting weights five six times a week or being in the gym every day and actually at the similar time of transitioning towards a plant-based diet I'd also transition towards doing a lot more cardio spending a lot less time in the gym and that also changed my body shape yeah because you're, you're changing a few things simultaneously yeah yeah so and then about six months after switching to a plant-based diet, I also dislocated my foot and fractured my leg. Um, so that, and that had a very long ongoing like rehab process afterwards. Okay. However, now I'm, so I used to be around 84, 85 kilos. Now I'm around 79, 80 kilos. Okay. Um, I still feel I'm lifting just as heavy, if not more weight in the gym than I was before I switched to a plant-based diet. I'm fitter than I've ever been in my life um, because I really believe that the the energy levels just fuel cardiovascular performance. Mm. I mean, like there's some amazing endurance-based athletes out there who live on a plant-based diet. Rick Roll is mm. one of the best ones um, or the most prominent um, in the media, let's say. And I, I really feel that that's pushed my cardio training massively. Yeah. So do you as well, do you, do you do intermittent fasting? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I generally, um, fast 16, eight. So, okay. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. from 8 PM till 12, till 12 the next day. And how did you find that in, 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 impacted your life? Well, again, this is, I've probably done intermittent fasting for less time than I've been on a plant-based diet. Okay. Um, which is really interesting, right? Because I probably eat a lot less food now than yeah. I did like say 
five six years ago um but i've got more energy and i'm just uh, i'm just as strong if not more powerful so you're probably having a third less calories roughly i mean that's i was reading a few studies on people that go to a plant-based diet i don't know how accurate that is but it's quite difficult to get the amount of calories that you used to eat especially if you're fasting as well i mean your window of eating is very yeah my window of eating is limited but I eat a lot in that window. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've also, I've been fasting for about a year and a half myself as well. Okay. So, um, how, how do you find it? Yeah, I love it. I mean, I, I'm not a, a big foodie anyway. So for me, it just, just simplifies my life. I was traveling a lot with work uh, and just having set hours to eat was just brilliant. Um, yep. I used to actually, I personally, I just used to have two meals a day. I wasn't training very much at that time. So I've, I've I'm changed since then. But yeah, I found it to be fantastic. Um, yeah, I loved it actually. Good. Intermittent fasting is like any diet. If it affects your calorie intake, mm. then it generally affects your weight balance. If you maintain your calories, then your, your weight should, main, should maintain yeah, yeah. as well. So if you, the other thing I know that you do, because uh, obviously I, I interviewed Lisa, is I know that you do um, cold water therapy. So when did you start doing that? I started doing that regularly in january of 2018 so just over a year ago and how often do you do you go in because obviously we live in brighton by the seaside how often do you go in yeah two or three times a week okay sometimes up to four okay just two or three times a week and how has that impacted your life oh it's amazing Hmm. Um, so i've been a big fan of meditation and mindfulness for nearly five years or so um so the one thing i just wanted to say about because the similar point with meditation, I think we all like step into things in time. And as we grow our mindset and our perspective, then we become open to these things. I don't think intermittent fasting would have worked for me like it does now if I did it 10 years ago. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Like yeah. 10 years there's a, ago. There's a timing issue to it, isn't there? You have to be open and ready to actually do it. Yeah. yeah and I think I think your age and your metabolism, when, you, when you're young, you're still growing. I ate six, seven meals a day and and I could manage that. Um, and I was training a hell of a lot more. I mean, my cal- I probably couldn't get that many calories in mm. if I was intermittent fasting. Yeah. Um, you know, I was playing a, a decent level of rugby and that worked for me at the time. Uh, and now intermittent fasting works for me now. Yeah. Okay. But that's a good, that's a good point to distinguish actually. So it depends how old you are, what stage of your life you are and also what your lifestyle is like, but it, yeah. it, 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 it's a good tool for, yeah. for, for controlling your calorie consumption. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And and don't get me wrong, there's way more benefits than just calorie consumption, mm. right? The benefits to hormonal production um, and just resting your digestive system uh, go beyond um, measure. Like the more we learn about gut health and our microbiome um, and big shout out to a guy called Zach Bush or look up Zach Bush MD for the latest research in that area is, is phenomenal. So, um, so how do you how do you break your fast? Is there something that you eat, or, the, or is that not specific? No, not specific. No, because um, I was interviewing um, Sol Gilbert, and he was um, he breaks his fast with warm water, lemon, and apple cider vinegar. Although that actually, funny enough, doesn't break your fast, but he he has that when he wakes up in the morning, and it it actually yeah, I looked into it. It doesn't break your fast because it's, okay. it's alkaline, and for whatever reason, there's not enough calories. But yeah, interesting. it's interesting. I've I started doing it. Um, okay. I can't say I've actually noticed any different, but you feel healthy because you're getting some goodness in you. So it's not, I can't, I can't say I feel, you know. Do you know, apple cider vinegar's really interested me. Like people have spouted the house health benefits of apple cider vinegar for years. 
and I've always been really interested, thought it was really healthy, but never seen like the science, yeah. science behind it or like the research and until recently. And there's certain types of apple cider vinegar that have more profound effects than others. Okay. Could, um, you, could you could you name the, the number one apple? Is it is it is there's, there's one that begins with a B and it's called like Brands. Yeah, Bragg's. Bragg's apple cider vinegar. Bragg's. Yeah, yeah that's that's the that's, one. that's the one I use. Yeah. So, so Bragg's apple cider vinegar actually breaks down glyphosate. Yeah. If you know anything about glyphosate, glyphosate is the nastiest chemical that's in Roundup and pesticides. It's why Monsanto are being sued. It potentially causes cancer and autism. Like it just messes up your microbiome, messes up your gut bacteria and, um, and all those organisms within your butt, within your gut, sorry. (laughs) So, so, so that you would say, so that's a good one to take the Brax Absolutely. one. Absolutely. Okay. So yeah, if yeah. you can count, if you can counter some of that effect yeah. uh, on top of eating organic, organic is just becoming more and more important. Mm. Um, interacting with nature and eating your naturally fermented foods such as sauerkraut yeah, or sauerkraut. kimchi. Yep. Um, then, then yeah, Bragg's apple cider vinegar so that's essentially a, is one is the best one. So that stuff, have you have you started having some of it in? in yeah, well, we've we've always had apple cider vinegar in the house. Yeah. yeah yes. Okay. So and the like the the kimchi and um, the other one is is that's just what to have as as with your meals as a as a good vegetable because it's got really good bacteria for your gut as well. Yeah, absolutely. So in the past and once maybe like five years ago when we found out, okay, look, there's loads of like gut bacteria in, or there's loads of bacteria in your gut and we termed it healthy bacteria. And, you know, the the first ones that we found were like acidophilus and um, I can't remember the name of the other one, but all these um, probiotic like drinks and um, like yogurts started coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Yakult and things yeah, like that. Like, yeah, like Yakult and... And you could take like capsules, like probiotic yeah. capsules. And what you kind of, the latest research is suggesting is actually that uh, that's not really that great yeah. because you know, you, you know, your bacteria in your gut is actually a really diverse system of tens of thousands of various species. And to flood it with just tens of thousands of one or two species, mm. just it puts it out of sync. So that's why the natural stuff's better. Yeah, because you've just got a huge more variety. It it makes more sense. So if what you're suggesting is that rather than a probiotic, if you could have something fermented instead, then you're going to get more of a better result from taking it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not sure where where we we went down a big tedious link. Yeah, I mean, we were just just talking about the 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 cold shower therapy and how that affected you. So since you since you've done it, what have you actually noticed in in your life? How how's it impacted you for the positive? Because obviously you're still doing it over a year later. So there must be some kind of yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so the reason I switched back was because, you know, you, you become ready to these things at certain times. Yeah, you're open minded. Yeah, yeah. And um, obviously, like I've benefited from. So about five years ago, when I first really got into like meditation, um, I had like a really set practice. Well, let's let's talk about meditation actually, because okay. uh, I'm interested in what you on your perspective. So, I think it's brilliant. I think we all need to chill the fuck out a lot more often. Um, so you never mentioned. I don't know if I'm allowed to. Say <laughs> that's just fine. Yeah, you can. <clears throat> um, so you know we're 
so disconnected from the real world but so connected to the internet and our screens all the time like where there's constant stimulants and stresses um and to in today's world this deep breathing this mindfulness this mindful movement connection yoga is just and chilling out is becoming so much more important than ever just to activate our parasympathetic nervous system just to downregulate us a little bit you know like our fight or flight response is just always in gear because there's always these stimulants just thrown at us all the time um so you know and eventually that leads to problems so how how do you i mean how do you go about meditating personally well now it's a lot different to then okay so five years ago was a I really got into it. I used Headspace, which is a fantastic yeah. app. I've recently re-downloaded Headspace and I'm not a big fan of how they've changed the app over the last mm. years. I preferred the original version. But I, it started with 20, 30-minute blocks, meditation, mindfulness, mindful breathing. Just focus on your breath um, and and understanding your thoughts. And I really benefited, benefited from that daily practice I had more clarity, I was more productive during the day, I had better focus, I performed better. I was I felt like I was a better coach when I and that's what I wanted that's what I wanted to be because I believe in, I want to be good at what I do, I want to be great at what I do. So that massively benefited my mental clarity. Um and over a couple of years it generally evolved like that morning practice became less practical because my wife was in the bed or yeah mostly because you know it it wasn't so difficult there was someone else there or there was other people in the house so it and it gradually just evolved into okay I can be mindful anytime I can breathe anytime so it evolved into mindful breathing and just pausing stopping several times a day so whenever I get the opportunity whenever I realize that I've been looking at my screen for five ten minutes and hadn't taken a like looking at my phone because like just zoning in um i just take a break close my eyes or look to the sea or or something so it was like a micro meditation absolutely and we can do that anytime you can do that 10 20 times a day once a day whatever works for you deep inhale through your nose into your belly and there's different techniques you can do box breathing where you inhale for the same so box breathing would be like one 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 inhale for a certain time hold it for the same amount of time exhale for the same time hold it out for the same time or you can do um different patterns where you're exhaling for twice as long generally the exhale deep exhale through your nose really activates your vagal nerve which you know physiologically that down regulates your parasympathetic nervous system and puts you into a much calmer state of mind so you're, what these methods are, are allowing you to go inside your body. So away from the outer influences and more inside yourself. Absolutely. And that mm. connection is, is so important, right? To understand who we are, how we, how we feel, what's mm. going on in our head, what, where our values are, our priorities um, is massively important. And that is really applicable to the athletes or to your training because like you mentioned when we very first started this show was you know what can you train high intensity all the time but the answer is no 
but how do you know when you can push yourself and when you can't push yourself comes down to being connected with how you mm. feel right how fatigued are you how what's your state of mind how does your body feel okay is today a good energetic day yeah then let's go lift some lift, lift some good weights let's train hard yeah okay. are you fatigued no let's just move gently let's just do some mobility and and do something easy yeah so what are your views on um taking pre-performance supplements because i know cer certain people that um even if their body's telling them not to train they'll knock back some pre-performance powder that's full of loads of stuff that gets them up and they train hard anyway what's your perspective on that well forget the pre let's just talk about coffee shall we because coffee is a beautiful drug massively massively overused people abuse it every day that's why there's starbucks and cafe nero and costa on every corner in fact there's one of each on every street these days um coffee's an amazing stimulant and effectively a pre-workout is just a stimulant right and the main ingredient of it is going to be caffeine for sure because the vast majority of research supports caffeine it's probably got beta alanine in there we which just gives you a tingle. It makes you think that it's doing something. Actually, beta-alanine does have a positive effect when it's in your system consistently and you have more nitrates. It opens more blood vessels. You don't need to take a large amount, a large dose of it in one go. You actually need it at least two hours before and just be eating a lot of beetroot, tart cherries and, and leafy greens in your diet and you'll, you'll have all the nitrates you need. So you're more of a fan of a natural, it's obvious, a natural methodology as opposed to taking supplements. I mean, supplements are called supplementation, so they should be taken as a supplement if you're not getting something, as opposed to just knocking it back because you feel like you need more protein or you feel like you need an upper. Absolutely. Don't get me wrong, I love a good coffee. Yeah. I just think that people who are spouting the benefits of caffeine and stimulants to pick themselves up on a daily basis, become reliant on it. If you're relying on stimulants, it's only going to lead to long-term long-term adrenal fatigue, mm. chronic fatigue in general, and and that's not a good thing. So how many, I mean, do you know what would be a healthy amount of cups of coffee per day, which would be a reasonable amount for someone to have without being too attached to it? Or again, is that individual? Yes, no. Stop thinking about per day. It's two or three a week. Okay. I, I prescribe two or three a week okay. and target those coffees for like that stimulant okay understand that it's a stimulant yeah target it towards when and it improves your focus and it improves your physical performance okay so target it towards when you want to boost your physical or mental performance okay and what about for people that when you're not already fatigued yeah Sorry, Gary. but what about people that say uh, you know they wake up that, that they're stressed and, and that the coffee is what wakes them up in the morning now obviously you're going to tell me there's a more holistic way of looking at it i understand that for a lot of people hiring an expert or having the time to, to change their lifestyle is extremely difficult. Are there any alternatives to coffee as an alternative as a stimulant or is that not really viable either? Yeah, right. Let's, let's look at the long term because, okay, we live in a world of instant gratification. People want quick fixes, yeah. but that doesn't lead to great long-term results. In fact, the long-term result, like I just said, of of abusing coffee and relying on it as a stimulant every day to get you going 
is going to lead to long-term fatigue. It's going to lead to long-term adrenal fatigue. Why, why, why is that? Could you, do, you, do, you, can you, do you understand the science of why that is or is it just, just a known fact? I, I don't quite follow about the ad- adrenal gland or potentially people listening won't understand the distinction okay, adre- there. Ad- adrenal yeah. gland produces adrenaline. Okay. Right? When you stimulate your body, yep. your um, like caffeine... So you have coffee. You have it coffee. It stimulates your adrenal gland. Yep. which releases adrenaline into your body. And yep. that, that's the response that makes you feel stimulated and more awake. Yep, which okay. increases your heart rate, Okay, increases your blood pressure, Yep, and generally gives you a bit of a buzz that mental, okay. narrows some mental focus. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Okay? Yep. So if you do that every day, yeah. like just bang, 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 those yeah, adrenal getting, glands are just deplenished and deplenished. Yeah. That's why people build up a resistance to coffee. caffeine yeah Pe- people who say oh i have a coffee it doesn't affect me well no shit because you got nothing left for it to affect yeah that's a really good point so it's almost like you're, you're creating a bad habit by having the coffee and the stimulant what about um so c- let's, yeah. let's answer your question yeah, yeah yeah um let's look at the big picture right so if you're relying on that coffee you need that coffee to get you going in the morning but that's only going to lead like the big picture is the end result is going to be long-term fatigue you're going to burn out you're going to mm. be screwed like where do you actually want to be mm. well long term you want to be like healthy have natural energy all the time right so having a goal to be healthy and have good energy levels is a good start first of all if yeah. you have that if, if you actually think about this is what i want that in itself is probably going to make you realize that you're for sure we yeah. need to it's the it's the biggest paradox we live in Every, like we live in this world of instant gratification people want results now but actually if we begin with the end in mind Excuse me to quote Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is a fantastic and massively influential book for me. But if we begin with the end in mind, what the end result looks like, if we can visualize that, one, it will, like, if we can visualize what we want, who we want to be, one that narrows you, that connects yourself with who you actually are, which is massively important and like what you value. But then it understands us, okay, we can work backwards from that end goal. Mm. We can make a, plan out of small actionable tasks like what what we're actually going to do on a daily basis well if we know that taking that caffeine and stimulant is going to take us away from that goal in the complete opposite Mm. direction well what do we need to do to take us towards having healthy natural energy well one we probably don't want to activate our sympathetic nervous system like our fight or flight or or get ourselves going we probably want to chill out a bit mm. we want to like calm our body like relax it reduce some of that stress reduce mm. some of that stimulant so you can start with just breathing mm. taking some deep mindful breaths that will give you clarity that will give you a much better feeling mm. to start the start the day mm. and then if you can fuel it with some whole food like I'm going to be a bit biased, but yeah, whole yeah. food plant like plants, then you're going to get a steady source of energy. So away from like re- refined sugars, but some good starchy carbohydrates, some great leafy greens, a, a seasonal vegetables. I'm massive about eating seasonal because yep. again, that comes down to our gut bacteria and our microbiome and what at this time of year and this environment, like we're actually primed to eat. And so that natural energy you're going to get consistently throughout the day, you're going to be breathe, breathing, mm. you're going to be, have a calm state of mind. That's a route towards long-term health and long-term yeah. energy. So as an interim for this, I mean, you know, I, I understand or I, I interviewed 
people about creating habits and, and breaking them and having a cycle. So if you can replace something with something else, you're much more likely to, to, to stick to something longer term. So what about decaffeinated coffee? I mean, for people that, that, that have their coffee in there, they don't want to give it up. If they change to a decaffeinated version of it, so they still get their coffee in the morning, they're still in the same routine of doing it. Are there any negative health benefits of doing that or is it a much safer and healthier op- um, option? No, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, bear in mind, decaffeinated coffee has a small amount of caffeine in it. Yeah. It's not it's, completely caffeine-free. But it's a, it's a much it's, healthier choice. It's yeah. a much lower amount of caffeine. Yeah. And it's the exact advice I gave to my wife because she loves coffee. Yeah. She loves the taste of coffee. She loves her routine of having a coffee in the morning. And now she has replaced it with a decaffeinated coffee. She still enjoys her routine. Yeah, absolutely. And she's not getting that overdose of stimulant day on day. The other thing as well is, um, obviously, you know, I think a lot of people have the morning ritual of having a coffee in the morning. So a decaf alternative is great. There's also the the afternoon time where perhaps you're meeting a friend for, for a coffee is the standard thing. Um, I mean, is it very, I mean, let's say, but having something like a chamomile tea. Yeah. Is that the type of thing you'd recommend instead of having it? Because obviously that, that calms your nervous system down. Are there any other recommendations you can make for drink alternatives to coffee that are actually, you know, beneficial to you? Yeah, I think you're just on the right lines. Yeah. Um, all kinds of herbal teas are fantastic. You know, there's a great ginger and turmeric tea. Okay. Um, loads of different herbal teas um, contain polyphenols, which are great for antioxidants for your body. So it's basically her- herbal teas are, are a great alternative as yeah, well. Yeah, providing okay. they're caffeine free. Okay, caffeine free. Okay, that's a good point. Providing they're caffeine free. <laughs> yeah. Green tea is brilliant, but it contains caffeine. Yeah. Right. Gary, here's just an example for you. I believe in practicing what I preach. If I have a ca- coffee or any caffeine after one or two o'clock, I will not sleep at night. Really? I, I mentioned earlier, I sleep like a log. Yeah. I always have. Any coffee after lunch, after one, no chance. So that could really affect people listening to this, their, their sleep pattern. Could it perhaps try for a week changing your coffee after one o'clock for either a decaf or a tea and see if it makes a difference to the way that you sleep. Sure. Because sleep, sleep quality is so important. I know sleep is it's ultra important. So if you're not sleeping properly, your body's not replenishing. So Sure. And if you're taking stimulants, it's just going to stop you from sleeping, right? Mm. And the other thing I know is even if I have dark chocolate, so 80% plus like cacao in the evenings, which... I like I like chocolate. I like a dessert, but you still can't sleep. But I still can't sleep. No, <laughs> at least it's, it an, at least it's an aphrodisiac, though. <laughs> there, there is that. Maybe, maybe I can. There's a reason why I don't want to sleep. Yeah, exactly. So if um, if we can we can go back to it. I think we were we we were on uh, the cold the cold showers, and you were linking back to um, the meditation that you've done and and what you're currently doing. So if I'm right in saying at this stage in your life, what you do is micro meditations throughout the day. Yeah. And they calm your nervous system down, allow you to get back inside your body and to feel great. Yeah. So the importance of why I went down that story and why I went down that road, basically, when I get out of the water, when I come out of the sea, I get the most, the biggest sense of calm, the most clarity of mind that I have nearly ever experienced. Wow. Um, there's, so... Okay, so sometimes I meditate. So if I was to meditate nowadays, like for a decent block of time, 20, 30 minutes, I'd do Wim Hof breathing. Okay. Yeah. And that would initiate a similar response within my body. Go through Wim Hof breathing 
flood my body with oxygen, get a huge buzz, even like releases DMT within the brain. Just just, just on that, uh, for yes. anyone listening, at the end of this episode, we'll share Matt's details and I'm sure you've got some information on the Wim Hof breathing or can put some content out so people know exactly what that is. Okay, yeah, so, sorry, yeah, yeah as you were saying. Yeah, the, I mean, just YouTube Wim Hof breathing and there's, and a, there's a great instructional on there where he, Wim Hof himself, like takes someone okay. through it. Yeah, so you come out and you just feel reborn basically. Hi, you get high off your breath okay um it's something that i mentioned to you before we started the show is i really believe that our breath is the most underutilized and underestimated tool that we have in the in the world it's incredible you can get high on your breath you can create tension you can release tension you can create a sense of of stress but you can also bring calm to your body you can do so much with your breath it's so powerful can you talk about how um, you use your breath to calm down to calm down yeah um yeah absolutely just deep nasal breathing so um so is in you breathe in slowly through your nose? Yep. So going back to those patterns of yep. breathing, I would generally breathe in for four or five seconds. My breath isn't amazing. Some people can breathe in for 10 seconds, do a box breathing of a 10 second inhale, 10 second hold, 10 second exhale, 10 second hold. Like all respect to them. My breathing isn't amazing. My nasal breathing isn't amazing. Okay. Four to five seconds inhale, four to five seconds hold four to five maybe maybe eight second exhale okay and then a, a two or three second hold and if you do that that for, works what, for me for like a minute and that's enough to calm you down is that yeah absolutely okay. you'll notice the effects after one or two yeah. breaths like you, you take a nice deep inhale through the nose mm. pause exhale i think one breath one most breath. people will notice a difference we'll show you. and that's good for habit formation because if you get instant an instant feeling of calm you're more likely to follow on and do more of it absolutely it's interesting so you you know um buddhist prayer beads that you you wear around your wrist typically they have 26 beads on them and the thinking is that throughout the day you count round 26 times and you're either grateful for something or you send love or you or you send um, a prayer to someone and actually what that does similar to meditation it gets you to go inside your head so I quite like the idea of having rather than one meditation through a 30 or 40 minute window opportunities throughout the day to either focus on your breathing or focus on other people that takes the attention away from yourself and just gives you a little bit of a respite during the day oh absolutely so to start the day I'll generally have a few principles that I follow um, just to really start the day in, in a really positive way. I'm loving the fact that you mentioned gr- gratitude and appreciation. I really think that's a huge key to happiness that so many people overlook. We So many people exist, right? They don't live. So many people take everything for granted. Just to say, take a second and appreciate anything no matter how big or small whether it be having a roof over your head and two feet to walk on daily people don't have that you know to have food on your plate not just food but great food nutritious great tasting food take the time to appreciate that take the time to appreciate your spouse the people that you love your friends having those close relationships we are so rich we we honestly live at the peak of human existence Mm. right now we're luckier or more fortunate than any humans to have walked this planet before us and yet we still have more stress more negative emotions more depression higher rates of suicide than have ever gone on before us as well Mm. 
that's fucked up. Mm. That shouldn't be the case. We have so much. I keep saying that we live in this world of instant gratification, but the whole of so we going gonna go deep now because the whole of society, the whole world is like the whole of economics is built up on getting people to buy stuff. Right? We just you just need more stuff. The next the next car is gonna make you happier. Having the next gadgets, the next iPhone is gonna make you happier. You got to spend more money to get this. Once you've got a roof over your head you need a you need more space you need a bigger house you need the latest tv right it's all bullshit like it's all bullshit life at the end of the day we're all gonna die like mm. we don't know none of us know what happens in the afterlife we can speculate and you can have your own belief systems but we don't know for sure okay whether it's it's really hard to conceptualize the fact that our soul our consciousness will just disappear mm. but it might we don't know yeah. so to to take the time to appreciate our limited lifespan our speck of dust in the vastness of the universe what we have what the the time that we spend with the people that we love the connections that we make the food that we eat or the actions that we do each day the ability to jump in the sea and feel alive, mm. get that rush, that sense of pride of achieving something first thing, the clarity afterwards, the connectedness with the ocean, like-minded people, and then and to start your day, be productive, have purpose, to have all these things. We're so rich, we don't even know it. Mm. So you feel like the capitalist society that we, that we live in breeds discontent because everyone always wants more but the reality is that if you switch that focus onto what we already have and look at the history of humanity actually you're in a good situation we're, we, we, we've got shelter we've got good quality food and perhaps everyone should be a little bit more grateful in their life and that will assist them to feel happier and healthier absolutely mm. matt it's been uh a brilliant episode. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I loved every minute of it. So if, if people wanted to um, contact you after this episode to perhaps ask you any questions or find out more about your coaching, how, how would they go about doing that? Sure, you can look me up on Instagram at Matt Dickens SC. I've also just launched a new page um, at Atlas Health Performance on Instagram as well. My Facebook page is Atlas Health Performance. My website is atlashealthperformance.co.uk. Um, if anyone's interested in just talking, learning more, or, or specifically performance coaching to get more from life, nail plant-based nutrition, I've got a new ebook coming out um, because a lot of people associate vegan and plant-based diets with with a healthy diet, but it still is a big change for a lot of people. Okay, there's stuff you got to learn, there's stuff mm. you got to get right. So all the essential information is in my new ebook i finished it this week it'll be up on the website next week um and yeah any anyone who who wants to get in touch just do so perfect all right what we'll also do we'll also put a link to your website in the description so people can follow up on it and um, again thanks very much for coming on gary it's been a pleasure thank you very much i think the biggest takeaway from that episode for me personally was how caffeine affects your body and actually starts a habit of firing off adrenaline through your body and the simple act of replacing caffeine for, you know, caffeine-free coffee or, you know, decaffeinated coffee 
as well as perhaps replacing your afternoon coffee with a herbal tea. And that's something that all of us can do just to tighten up our daily habits. And the other thing as well is the idea of the one minute meditation throughout the day. Because often I think a lot of us struggle to put 40, 45 minutes aside to really meditate and go deep. So the idea of doing it for one minute, very fast, and just as a way of really calming your mind down is quite inspiring. So I hope you enjoyed that today's episode. Um, why not share it as a gift with a friend? And if you want my back catalogue of podcast episodes, all you have to do is search for The Gary Gunn Show on the iTunes store or any podcast player and you can get everything for free.